Hi, I'm Edward Sree, and welcome to All Things Catholic, where real faith meets real life. How much did the Blessed Virgin Mary really know? How much did she know about her son, that baby she was carrying in her womb those nine months, or when she held that child in her arms, or when she was raising him as a little boy? Did she know who Jesus was? Did she know that he was the Messiah? That he was the one that fulfilled all the prophecies? Did she know that he would grow up and perform all these miracles, giving sight to the blind, making the deaf be able to hear, making the lame man be able to walk again? Did she know that? Did she know that he was the savior of the world, that this child was coming to die for our sins? Did she know that Jesus was divine, the Holy Son of God? You know, in this month of December, as we're leading up to the week of Christmas, there's a popular Christian song that raises this question. Uh, maybe you've heard it before. You probably hear it if you listen to Christian radio. You Maybe you've even heard it in a Catholic church. The song goes like this. Mary, did you know that your baby boy would one day walk on water? Mary, did you know that your baby boy would save our sons and daughters? Did you know that your baby boy has come to make you new? This child that you delivered will soon deliver you. Mary, did you know? And I think that's a fair question to ask, to ponder. How much did Mary understand? I think Mary actually knew a lot more than most Christians today give her credit for. And, and I mean this even just on the natural level. I know that in this week, the Catholic Church is celebrating the great solemnity of the Immaculate Conception, uh, where we believe Mary had unique, extraordinary graces given to her right at the moment of her conception. She was preserved from original sin. So according to Catholic doctrine, yes, Mary knew a lot and, and was, was given a lot of wisdom from God, of course. But I want to just bracket that for a moment. And I would just say, even on a natural level, just on a purely natural level, just being a good, ordinary Jewish girl growing up in a Jewish family, in a Jewish culture, she would have known a lot, a lot about the scriptures, and she would have made a lot of connections from the events that were unfolding in her life. I think she knew a lot more about her son than many Christians give her credit for, and that's what I want to take a look at in this week's podcast. So welcome to All Things Catholic. I'm your host, Edward Sri. I want to give a big shout out to uh, people in the Indianapolis area in Carmel, Indiana, where I was able to be with them for their Advent Parish mission this last week. A wonderful blessing to be with them all. Uh, also, a shout out to uh, folks at the Holy Name Parish in Nashville, where I was able to give a presentation, and the wonderful people at EWTN. Uh, I was able to do their Advent retreat for their staff uh, at the wonderful shrine there in Alabama, right by Mother Angelica's tomb. It was, it was quite an experience to be able to be there. So pray for EWTN and all the great work that they do. And, and if you could pray for all these wonderful people right there in the middle of the country, from Nashville to Indianapolis, down to Alabama, all trying to have a great Advent and follow the Lord. Well, turning to Mary is someone that we should always turn to throughout the year, but especially in these weeks of Advent, thinking of what she was doing to prepare for the coming of the Messiah. <laughs> and, you know, she had a lot to prepare for as being, being the mother of the Messiah and getting ready for that big event. But how much did she really know? Again, I, I, I like pondering that question, and I, I get where this Christian artist is coming from and asking the question. It's fair to ask, how much did Mary really know? But as I mentioned, I, I think she knew a lot more than many people realize, even just on the natural level. Because think about this, for a, a Jewish girl growing up in the first century, what, what was her pop culture? Like, what was the pop culture around her? What was she listening to? 
What was she thinking about regularly? What, what would she have been talking about with her friends and her family? What was it that was constantly filling her mind? Like, did she have YouTube? Is she, she pulling out her phone and checking Instagram and, and, and Twitter? Is she, is she getting on the ESPN app to figure out the latest scores of her favorite teams, you know, uh, and watching the latest movie to come out on Netflix? You know, no, they didn't have all that back then, right? You know, that's where young people today, when they're growing up, what are they filling their minds with? They fill their minds with sports. They fill their minds with the news, or they fill their minds with what's trending on social media, or the their playlist and their their favorite musical artists, or they they fill their minds with the latest shows and movies, and and that's our pop culture. And in our pop culture today, that, that if we fill our minds with that, then I could make an allusion to something like. You know, if I said something like, oh, I hope I have a career as long as Tom Brady's, you know, you all can make a connection. Okay, Tom Brady is extraordinary. He's still playing quarterback, winning Super Bowls into his 40s. It's incredible. You know who Tom Brady is, the famous NFL quarterback. So I just say Tom Brady, I make a little illusion. You make those connections. Or if I take a line from a movie and I say something like, uh, may the force be with you. <laughs> you know, if you if you know the movie Star Wars, you're picturing you know Luke Skywalker, or, you know, and and you 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 have a, a context for that, right? So you can make a little allusion to something in the culture, that, because this is what we share in our culture. These big, you know, whether it's a, a music icon or a, a famous movie or a famous athlete. So in the first century Jewish world, they didn't have the Tom Brady's, they didn't have their favorite musical artists like we have today. But what was a part of their pop culture was the scriptures. This is what they filled their minds with regularly. This is their playlist. This is what they're listening to, you know, all the time. You know, they they go, they they hear the scripture readings in the synagogues week after week after week. They celebrate the major events in their people's history, what God did in their lives, whether through all the different feast days throughout the year, whether it's Passover or the Feast of Tabernacles or Hanukkah, they they pondered the prophecies and they pondered the great stories of Adam and Noah and Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Moses and David. And they knew that this, this story of salvation was going to reach its crescendo, going to reach its climax. And there were all these prophecies about some savior figure that was going to come. He was going to be called the Messiah, the anointed one, the son of David, the royal king was going to come and liberate the people from their enemies and, and extend God's kingdom to the ends of the earth. There were all these prophecies there. And this is, this is just what an ordinary Jew, I'm not talking about somebody that had a PhD in scripture. I'm not talking about a monk in the, uh, you know, in some monastery, you know, uh, they didn't have those things back then, but I'm just talking just an ordinary Jew. This is what they grew up with. And so I think that Mary, when she hears things from the angel Gabriel or from her kinswoman, Elizabeth, uh, or from the shepherds at the nativity or the prophet Simeon at the presentation, I think just she hears God speaking to her through those people, through those events, and she could easily make connections between what Gabriel says and what the Old Testament prophecies were saying, between what Simeon said in the temple in the presentation scene uh, and the prophecies of Isaiah. I think she's just making connections like, if I say to you, the force, may the force be with you, you, you you're picturing something from Star Wars. You know, I say a, a line from a, fav- a famous song and you're able to make the connection. I, I think that's what it was like for Mary. Let's just consider this, for example. I'm going to give a couple examples. And then I want to go back and just unpack that that song, that popular song, Mary, Did You Know? But first of all, just, just take the Annunciation. If you go to the Annunciation scene in Luke chapter 1, 
Verse 31, the angel announces to Mary that she's going to have a son. She shall call his name Jesus. And then the angel goes on and says things about this child that are are remarkable. That Any Jew hearing this would go, oh, I know, Gabriel's quoting 2 Samuel 7 here. I mean, they may not have said 2 Samuel 7, but they would know the prophecy. Gabriel says to Mary, this child will be great. He'll be called the son of the most high. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom. There will be no end. Again, we hear those words and we're like, oh, okay, that's interesting. You know, some king, you know, this is great. But what we don't realize is that Gabriel's words are almost taken verbatim from the great promises God made to David in 2 Samuel chapter 7. It's almost as if he's Gabriel's cutting and pasting the prophecy from 2 Samuel 7. David was promised that he, he, he and his family would, would be great. They'd have a great name and that they would have a throne for, for David and all of his children. And his children would have a dynastic line and would reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there would be no end. So when Gabriel Gabriel says these words to Mary, he's almost verbatim quoting from 2 Samuel 7. He's basically saying, Mary, your child is the fulfillment of 2 Samuel 7. And for a Jew in the first century, that is just astonishing because it's not just 2 Samuel 7. That's the foundational prophecy of a whole series of other prophecies that you can read about in Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel and Daniel and Micah and many other passages in the Old Testament. All these prophecies about a future king that Israel, yes, Israel has been suffering under all these foreign nations, but one day God is going to raise up a new son of David a descendant of David, someone who is going to reestablish the Davidic dynasty, is going to establish the kingdom and liberate the people from their enemies. And this kingdom is going to extend its reach to the ends of the earth to make God known to all the Gentiles. And and so, so this prophecy is the foundational prophecy about that Messiah, the Messiah, the son of David. So when I think about Mary, did you know? Just from this opening line from Gabriel, Gabriel's telling her, yes, your child is that great king. Yes, he's going to be the one to liberate us from our enemies. Yes, he's going to be the one that's going to establish his reign and rule over all the nations. So Mary knows a lot just from this opening little line from Gabriel, but it gets even better. Gabriel goes on to say, and by the way, guess what, Mary? You're not going to have this child by any ordinary human means. You're going to conceive this child as a virgin. You're going to conceive this child by the power of the Holy Spirit. He goes on to say, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. This is Luke 1, 35. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. I mean, just think about this. The greatest miracle up to this point in, in human history is, you know, there's been nothing compared to what Mary's going to experience. Yes, there's been people like Moses that part the waters of the Red Sea, and there's been uh, people that, you know, cured people of their leprosy in the Old Testament, and there's, there's many little miracles, but this idea of someone conceiving a child as a virgin, yes, there's been old women like Sarah in the Old Testament having a child in her old age, but conceiving as a virgin— conceiving through no mere human means, 
this miraculous divine intervention. This is incredible. So did Mary know that Jesus was probably going to be uh, doing miracles? I, I think she did, because <laughs> her, his, his whole existence is bound up with the greatest miracle in human history up to this point. This is incredible. She conceives Jesus as a virgin by the power of the Holy Spirit. And, and, and the angel goes on to say, and this child will be called holy, the Son of God, so it points to the divine origins of this child. This child comes from God, conceived by the Holy Spirit, is the Holy Son of God. So she knew a lot just by paying attention to Gabriel's words. And then if you think about the other things, just briefly, you can look at uh, the visitation scene where Elizabeth confirms a lot of this. Blessed are you among women, for blessed is the fruit of your womb. No woman's been blessed like you, Mary. Why? Because of the fruit of your womb. This child you carry is no ordinary child is extraordinary. This is the, Elizabeth goes on to say, and why is it granted to me the mother of my Lord should come to me? This is my Lord. This child is my Lord. And so, so Elizabeth is confirming so much for Mary about the uniqueness of this child, being the Holy Son of God, the one that's fulfilling all prophecy. One other scene is the nativity. Just think about this. Here's Mary in the middle of her, you know, you know giving birth to this baby Jesus. And suddenly these strangers show up and report that angels appeared over the fields in, in Bethlehem. And these angels are singing glory to God. And they're announcing that today a savior has been born. He is the Messiah. He is Christ the Lord. I mean, that's just remarkable. I mean, just imagine, you know, if you were, you were a parent and you're in the hospital holding your brand new baby and all of a sudden all these strangers come in and says, wow, we were at the city park and angels appeared to us and announced that this child is going to bring about a great renewal for the Catholic Church and will become Pope someday. I mean, you'd be like, whoa, where's this coming from? You know, that'd be pretty remarkable, right? So think about what those shepherds told Mary that day, that this child is the Savior. This child is the Savior, that this child is, is, is Christ. He's the Messiah. This child is Lord. I mean, just by paying attention to to what's happening in her life, Mary's able to make connections, I think. She knew her son was the savior of the world right from the very beginning. But the last passage I want to share with you, and I think this is the most important one, it really connects a lot of dots for us, is that fourth joyful mystery of the rosary, that scene when Simeon uh, meets Mary and Joseph, when they bring the child to present him to the temple, Jesus is 40 days old, little baby. They go up for the custom, present him to the temple. And then Simeon takes his child in his arms and he says, now at last your servant can go in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, a light of revelation to the Gentiles and glory for your people, Israel. Now there's so much in this prophecy, you know, and, and, and I think most Catholics know about what Simeon goes on to say about the future sufferings of Christ. He talks about how a sword is going to pierce Christ and it'll pierce Mary's heart also. That's a, an allusion to what happens on the cross when the sword pierces Jesus's side on Good Friday. So Mary knew that this was going to involve bloodshed for her son. This was going to involve the death of her son. So she learns that as a 40, you know, when the child's just 40 days old. But this other part of the prophecy, I, I, again, I wish if we had more time, it'd be so fun to just walk through all the prophecies of Isaiah here. But I'm just going to say really briefly, what's happening is Simeon is alluding to various prophecies in the book of Isaiah. The book of Isaiah foretells about how one day, you know, the, the Israelites are going to be in exile. They're going to be suffering under 
foreign nations, one after another. They go to Babylon, they'll eventually come back, but even they're going to be like exiled in their own land. They, they dwell in the land of Jerusalem, but they don't have control over it. The Greeks rule over them, or in, in Jesus's day, it's going to be the Romans. And, and so there's just, it's just a lot of suffering. And, and life in Israel is like living in the desert. It's dry, it's barren, it's arid. There, there's just no life and these prophecies, starting in Isaiah 40, talk about how there'll be a voice crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. So a, a prophecy about John the Baptist calling the people to repentance in the desert. But the prophecies go on, and they, and they talk about how God is going to come to the people. His glory is going to be revealed. The glory of the Lord is going to be revealed. And, and then at the climax of this prophecy of Isaiah 40, it says, behold your God. So there's going to be this big highway in the desert to bring the people back to God, and they're going to be able to see God again. God's going to be there. And then a couple chapters later in Isaiah 49, verse 6, it talks about how that this future Redeemer figure that's going to come to Israel, this servant of the Lord, will be light to the Gentiles, and his salvation shall reach to the ends of the earth. So when Simeon talks about the glory of the Lord, when he talks about salvation being revealed, when he talks about the light of revelation to the Gentiles, he's quoting directly from Isaiah 49, verse 6, Isaiah chapter 40, and all these prophecies about God coming to meet the people in their desert, in their exile from God, in their, their, their suffering under the foreign nations. I share this because one of the things that's right around this prophecy, just a couple chapters earlier, is a prophecy in Isaiah 35 that talks about the same idea that the wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom. So in other words, it, it's an image of Israel and their suffering is like in the desert. And then God is going to come and it's going to blossom in the desert. There's going to be life again, even in the desert here. And the same thing you find in Isaiah chapter 35, verse 4. It says, behold your God, he will come and save you. So God is going to come and meet the people in their desert, their spiritual desert of being separated from God. He's going to come meet them in their suffering and their oppression. But listen to this. Verse 5 tells us when God comes to bring an end to this exile, to bring an end to the suffering, what's going to happen? The eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped and the lame man shall leap like a heart, and the tongue of the dumb shall sing for joy. So in other words, people that can't speak will be able to speak again. Those that can't walk will be able to walk again. Those that can't hear will be able to hear again. Those that can't see are going to be able to see again. In other words, the prophecies all foretold that when God comes to rescue his people, what's going to happen? There's going to be all these miracles. So when I think about this song, Mary, did you know that your baby boy would one day save our sons and daughters? Well, of course, he was the savior of the world. That's what the shepherds told Mary at Bethlehem. Mary doesn't need a PhD in scripture to make that connection. Mary doesn't, I mean, she was the Immaculate Conception. She did receive extraordinary graces, and that helped her understand even better who her son is. But just on a natural level, I think she knew that this child was the savior. Did she know that this child would give sight to a blind man? That's one of the lines from the song. Mary, did you know that your baby boy would give sight to a blind man? And I would say, well, I, I, she probably did, <laughs> because if she pondered the prophecies, she knew that when God comes to rescue his people, he's going to come rescue them. There's going to be a highway in the desert. The desert's going to blossom again. It's going to bring life. 
and you will be able to behold God again. And when that happens, what's going to happen? The blind will be able to see. The, the lame will be able to walk again. So I, I think that there's these, these parts of the song that, that raise a question, and the answer should be an unhesitating yes. <laughs> you know, another part of the song, one of the lines is, did you know that your baby boy has come to make you new? This child that you delivered will soon deliver you. Did she know that? Yeah, she knew that this Christ child is coming to deliver the whole of humanity. Mary, did you know that your baby boy will one day rule the nations? Yes, she knew that, definitely, because that's that's the whole prophecy of, of 2 Samuel 7 that Gabriel alluded to, that all the prophets foretold that one day there'd be a new son of David, and what was he going to do? Establish the kingdom, and the kingdom would reign forever, and the prophecies go on to tell about how this kingdom is going to reign over all the nations. Like Simeon foretold, that this child will be a light of revelation to the nations, to the Gentiles. So Mary knew a lot. Now, when it comes to the Immaculate Conception, one last line about this song. Did you know that your baby boy has come to make you new? This child that you delivered will soon deliver you. I would, I would just say as a Catholic, we should just answer wholeheartedly, not only does Mary know that people are going to be delivered, but it's not, actually not the right question to ask because Mary was already delivered. She was already delivered from sin. Now, I, I'm not going to get into the whole doctrine of the Immaculate Conception, but I just want you to be clear on this, that, that Catholics, what's the dogma all about? We believe that Mary, at the moment of her conception in her mother's womb, she was conceived full of grace without original sin. I did a whole podcast explaining this a couple years ago. You can check in December, a couple years ago, like Biblical Foundations for the Immaculate Conception. If you want to learn more about that, check out the podcast from a couple years ago. I think it was 2019 or 2018 I did that. But what I want to do today is just highlight that this question, the child that you delivered will soon deliver you, as a Catholic, that's just not, that, that, that we, we wouldn't want to sing that song, that line right there. It's just not accurate. Mary was already delivered. Yes, her son hasn't died yet. Her son is coming. He's going to die and rise from the dead for all sins. But the Catholic belief, the Catholic doctrine is that God can work out, the God who is outside of time and space can use that one pivotal moment in the history of the world, the death and resurrection of Christ, and take all that he won for us on the cross and apply it to Mary in anticipation. So Mary receives the graces of Calvary even before Calvary happened. Why? Because God wanted to prepare Mary's heart to welcome her son, the divine son of God, into her womb. That, that Jesus is no ordinary son. He's the all-holy son of God. And just as the ancient Israelites used the purest of gold, the best of materials to build the Ark of the Covenant, to make the temple, the, the, these little the sanctuaries holding God's holy presence, Mary's like a new Ark of the Covenant. She's like a, a new temple, a new holy of holies, welcoming Christ into her womb. It's fitting that God would make her free of sin full of his grace. That's what we celebrate this week when we celebrate the, the marvels of the Immaculate Conception. And again, uh, listen to previous episodes. I often reflect on the mystery itself, and you can find it from last December or the couple Decembers ago about the meaning of this great, of this great solemnity. But for today, let's have confidence that Mary, even on a natural level, knew a lot more than maybe we realized. That just by pondering the scriptures, making connections in her life, she knew who her son was.
She knew what he was going to do. Was there some mystery? Like, did she know exactly like he was going to calm storms? You know, maybe, you know, she, she certainly knew he had the ability to, he's the creator of the universe, but, but did she know he was going to do some of those things? You know, there's, there's some mystery to it, of course, but certainly if she knew the prophecy, she would know he's the savior. He will rule all nations. He, he will give sight to the blind. She knew much more than many of us think today. And the lesson for us is that we want to be like her. We should ponder the scriptures more. Let's fill our minds this this month of December, these weeks of Advent. Maybe try to unplug from all that's going on in the culture, the fear of the virus, fear of what's happening in the stock market, fear of what's happening in Washington, you know, what's happening with our favorite sports team. And, you know, maybe we just give a little quiet in our souls to have that space to ponder what Mary pondered, and that's the scriptures so that then she could let God's scriptures speak to the circumstances of her life so that she would know her son better. Do you want to know Jesus better? Then unplug a little bit from all those distractions, especially here as we get closer to Christmas, and fill your mind with God's word. Fill your mind with the readings from, from the mass, maybe. Or just pull out your Bible and start reading Luke chapters 1 and 2 and Matthew 1 and 2 to understand the life of Mary and the coming of Christ in Bethlehem better, those, the stories of his infancy. Fill your mind with those good things, and you'll be able to make connections in your own life, allowing God to speak to you today. Thanks so much for listening. If you want to learn any more about this theme of Mary and her humanness and uh, all that she went through step-by-step, step, check out my book, Walking with Mary, A Biblical Journey from Nazareth to the Cross. It's a book that gets into the, the humanness of Mary, Mary's interior pilgrimage of faith. Uh, and you can ponder that in these weeks of Advent. And if you have any questions, reach out to me on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, or you can always find me on my website, edwardsfree.com. That's edwardsri.com. 